Oh, hey guys, welcome to the Encounter Podcast. I'm here with Deborah Ann Queen, and we just got back from an amazing trip to Kenya, and I'm so excited to kind of pick your brain and hear how that went. Missions trip season is right around the corner, and people are starting to think about going on trips, and I thought, you know what, you just got back. It's fresh. It's in your mind. I'm excited to hear, you know, your heart and, and the inside scoop that people don't normally get, so you be real with us today, Deborah. That's no problem. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to ask you a few questions. I got them written down. So first of all, tell me how you knew that you were called to go to Kenya. How, what was that like? Like, you're like, okay, I'm going to Kenya. Like, did you know that God called you or tell me what that looked like? Okay. So a couple years ago, um, I was invited to go to India and, um, I just instantly said, no, hmm. I just didn't. <laughs> I wonder who invited you to go. <laughs> I, my, and I didn't take the time to really pray on it. There was a lot going on in my life at this season. I just felt like one more thing. So I didn't even counsel the Lord about hmm. it. And from the moment that um, you got on that plane and you went with my son, I knew that I was supposed to be there with you. And I think that through that encounter of knowing what it's like to not go when you when you were supposed to go, and there were a lot of confirmations, you know, that I was supposed to go from people having dreams and visions, and I did not listen to that voice that I know so well. Um, and so this time around, the moment that you turned around and said, hey, you know, do you want to go to Kenya? I don't even think I prayed for it at first. <laughs> I just said yes, because I knew what it felt like to say no. Mm. And I, um, I, I had already been praying that from that point on, two years ago, that I would be more sensitive. And, that, and, and I'd had several people say to me along the way, stop, you know, when, when you get the opportunity to do things for the Lord, mm -hmm. just say yes. And so the Lord had done so much in me that I just knew, and I felt it. Like, I felt that I was supposed to go. But on a practical side, um, of course, I went to my husband. You know, I went to my kids. I made sure that um, financially it was going to work, made sure it was going to be okay with my job. I think that it's also, in a practical way, it's easy to be so spiritual about it. But at the same time, you have to also make sure those other things line up, and they all did. So I just knew I was supposed to go. That's awesome. I actually remember back, even when we were planning for India, somebody had a dream mm -hmm. and it was a little girl going on the trip with mm -hmm. me. And I remember saying like, are you sure you've prayed about it? Because that little girl could have been you. No. Do you remember the birthday on the, Yeah, uh, it was my birthday. Seriously? Yeah, it was my birthday. Oh my goodness. But we somehow worked it out that maybe it was for my son to go. But wow. I think I knew then um, now I know that I, that I was supposed to go on that trip. So oh my gosh. I but just learned my lesson. God's a redeemer, though. Isn't he good? Isn't he? He's good. He's good. All right. So missions trips, I think people get the 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 notion that they're always easy, but it's a it's a lot physically on your body, like a lot mm -hmm. of hiking and and traveling mm -hmm. and long hours on bus rides and things like that. So I always ask, like, you know, how did you prepare for this trip? Did you prepare Physically, and did you prepare spiritually, and what did that look like? Okay, so first of all, going on trips with you, which I've done for several years now, I knew going into it, it would be like no other trip. Definitely different. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Right. Um, but um, I think that as far as physically speaking, I was already on this weight loss journey. I was already trying to get healthy, and, and the Lord must have known that I was going to need that because before I went on this trip— I had already um, lost a lot of weight, mm -hmm. 
And the crazy thing is, is every time I've lost weight since I got married, um, I, I, I always have that 10 pounds. And no matter what I do, it's like that 10 pounds cannot come off. But going with you to Africa... <laughs> You did that. it. I lost it went right pounds. off. <laughs> um, so physically, I would say that's how I prepared. But I, I think that another really good advice is ask people that have already gone. Mm-hmm. And I did. I asked um, several women that I knew that had gone to Kenya. Some of the advice really worked out and some did not. Some of them told me, you will gain weight. They feed you so much rice. And I found out that didn't necessarily work for me. Not on um, trips with me. No. <laughs> Um, but other things they told me about as far as preparing um, to have um, solar batteries and just a flashlight, which we I totally used, and um, giving me like a portable little fan, which ended up being my best friend. Yep. And so I think it's also important to ask a lot of questions, and that's how you learn. Like, you go find people that have gone before you and ask them, what did you do? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? And so I asked a ton of questions to prepare awesome. What about spiritually? Well, I spent a lot of time fasting and praying before I left and the Lord was ripping so much out of my heart. I don't think I really realized how much it was for Kenya until I walked it. And as I was walking, I was like, oh, okay. So this was more than just for me. It was to prepare me for what was to come. Um, and I think the next time I go on a trip, I will even do it more so because I think even going into it, I didn't even realize how much more I would need it when I was there. That's good. I think it's important for everyone to understand, like when we are going to go into the enemy's territory, Mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we are spiritually ready for the battle Mm -hmm. and you have to prepare for the battle. You got to get stronger. And like you said, the work was in your heart before you even went, you didn't even realize it. And that's me. I'm always on my face repenting for the most part and, you know, just trying to make sure I have a clear vessel for Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit to move because we need it on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right. So, you know, my first time ever on a plane ever in my life was on a missions trip to Africa. And I remember, yeah, my my first time ever on an airplane was on my way to Kenya. And uh, and the travel, though, was so smooth for me. Mm -hmm. Now, I already know what happened to you on this travel on the way to Kenya. But I think it'd be cool to kind of tell us about the travel. I know where there's some mix up. Tell me about the travel on the way to Kenya. I think it's hilarious that several times during the trip, you would say, you know, this is the first time I have ever been on a trip. And my flight has been canceled. Like like it was my fault, like somehow because I was there. But um, before we even, um, actually within five minutes of getting to Tampa International, our flight was completely canceled and rebooked. Um, But that ended up being the Lord. It was awesome. Um, From the moment we got on the plane in Tampa, um, they decided that we should sit on the tarmac. I think we were there for like three hours. Um, but we had a blast. I mean, I was looking at videos last night. We literally made videos while we were there and like stuck in Tampa. So we hadn't even taken off yet. Um, but they replaced the engine. There was no air conditioning, but they gave us water, (laughs) which we thought was hilarious. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was just leaving. Then Mm -hmm. we get to Canada and, um, our flight was completely canceled. We stood in a line for four hours and literally saw people fist fighting. (laughs) It's nuts. Um, there was like riots going on all around us um, in the middle of the night, and we laughed our butts off. Yeah. Just, we just made the best of Let's it. Let's not forget the snow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we went to Canada in February. It was seven degrees. 
Um, after waiting, we thought, well, this is okay. They're going to rebook our flights. We're going to grab our luggage. At least we can put on our sweatshirts, right? <laughs> and this will work out to get up to the front um, and find out that they said our luggage was on its way to Kenya. Yeah. So we literally had our T-shirts and our yoga pants and flip-flops. On and the Canada. snow was higher than most buildings. Yeah, it was definitely higher than <laughs> our heads. <laughs> oh, it was nuts. Uh, so they did rebook our flights. We ended up having to leave the next night. Um, we actually had a glorious time um, in the hotel that night. I think the Lord really spoke to both of right. us. It was a beautiful night yeah. in the Lord's presence. And I think God was preparing us yes. for Kenya. Yeah, it was true. Um, and so uh, just getting there was quite the challenge. We get to Kenya. And uh, we go to get our bags that were waiting for us to find out that we have no bags. Yep, that's and right. I think at that point, there was a real, for me, like I had stayed in such a place of I'm not complaining, we're going to enjoy this. And I remember at that moment, I was so exhausted. Mm-hmm. And um, there was, I was in Africa. Yeah. And it was like a totally new, fresh thing for me. And I remember looking over at you and you just had so much confidence that everything was just going to be okay. And so I just decided I'm in this with you and everything was going to be okay. And the lady showed up to pick us up and she actually had skirts for you and I. So and awesome. that was just the starting point of seeing the Lord miraculously provide what we needed, not necessarily what we wanted the whole trip. So, so not having expectations is definitely mm-hmm. something that everyone should think. Yeah. Like, just kind of let the Lord take care of you. Don't have these serious expectations, even though they're obvious expectations to arrive with luggage. Mm-hmm. It's just important just to say, hey, you know what? Whatever comes with this trip, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. We're on an assignment from the Lord, and just accept it and laugh yeah. and have a good time. Just enjoy it. That's take it right. all in. And, and our attitudes really do reflect what happens on the whole trip. I Absolutely. mean, the Lord literally told that to us right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It was like, you cannot control necessarily what happens, but you can control your attitude, and your attitude will really dictate how freely the Spirit can just operate through you on the trip. So it was just a constant us just checking our attitude. Yeah. And, and, and pulling each it. other up, too. Yeah, we did. You it know, was a blast. That's good. All right, so now it's the coolest parts. Now, you went to four different mountains on this mm-hmm. trip. Four different mountains of unreached people, people that have never heard the gospel before. And I'm just so excited for you to kind of take me through a journey on, on some of your, the highlighted points, the ones that made the biggest impressions yeah. on your life. And you can start with Pocot if you want. Okay, so Pocot it is because that was the first place we went. Um, I would say it was probably in some ways the easiest. We did stay in like a little, we actually had a place to stay. We had a room. Mm -hmm. Um, And so getting to Pocot um, was not easy. But once we got there, uh, it was my first opportunity to speak about Jesus with somebody that had never heard his name. Um, I wasn't with you. which um, in some ways I feel like was just the Lord because I was really on my own. Like it was him and me and I have this family in front of me. And now what do you do? Like, how do you explain who Jesus is to somebody who has never been to church, never seen a pastor, knows nothing except that there is a God. And that was something that blew my mind about Africa is like, when you get out to those places, you realize that they don't have an issue believing that there's a God because the world around them makes it obvious. And it, that's what the Bible says, yeah. that creation itself speaks that there's a God. Yeah. And I got to encounter that because they believe there's a God. Mm-hmm. They just believe that this God must be angry or mad at them because they don't even have like 
the basic things like water or food. And so to be able to explain to them from creation um, to um, sin to uh, how Jesus came to redeem us Mm -hmm. and fix it and how there's hope because this is not it. It is not over. And watching them receive Jesus like so excited. They were so excited. It was like never even like it was like, okay, now what? How do I do yeah. it? And so um, I, Bocot will always have a big piece of me simply because it was the first time I got to present the gospel from Genesis to Revelations yeah. um, to a family and lead them to the Lord. And the coolest part was there was two families and the one lady to the back end, as soon as we said amen and she received the Lord, she jumped up and she grabbed my arm and she took off. And um, the translator and the pastor that was with us started, like, um, running behind her. And he took a video of it, and he's like, where are you taking her? Where are you going? And she just was speaking in her own language, but she was taking me to her community, to her hut. And um, as he would try to get her to slow down, she would pick up because she wanted to make sure I got there. And 30 minutes later, she has me in her hut, and she just wanted me to present the gospel to her people, to her tribe, to her family. And uh, it really reminded me of the woman at the well. And we had just been speaking about it. But the moment she got Jesus, she couldn't wait to share him with everyone around her. That's the book of Acts. Uh, That's the Bible. When someone really receives it, if you have a gift or a cure for your life, you want everyone to hear about it. So that just goes to show how that message was so anointed in her that she wasn't willing to let you leave until you shared it with the people that she loved. And she pulled her kids out of their room, their little hut, and she was like, lay hands on them, pray for them. make sure." She wanted to make sure they knew this Jesus too. Wow. And then to be able to teach her that you can now pray for your own kids. And I had her lay her, her hands on them, and I showed mm-hmm. her how she can speak to this Jesus anytime for her kids. Yeah. It was just, it's life-changing. It's something you can't really mm-hmm. describe unless you do it. And um, eh, it was the amazing. The thing is that, like, even you're giving them hope, and you're giving them the, the spiritual truth about eternity and hope in their lives. But the neat thing is, is then um, after we left, we're hearing so many miraculous things. Like, this, the gospel that you shared in those areas is spreading like wildfire. A church right between the church that I originally went to and the place that you went, the unreached area, they started a church. There's 85 new converts there that you didn't witness to, that I didn't witness to, but the people that you witnessed to went out and spread it. And there's 85 new people. It's called Kona Church now, brand new church that has been built from that day. And that's got to be cool to know that you are a part of what God is doing. Well, it really does show that that's what it's like even for us here. Like every time we open our mouths, you know, just because you don't see it, it, it always returns something, always. Yeah. And so, um, and, and also, too, in Pocot is where we planted our first well. That's right. So it was like, here's the woman at the well, mm-hmm. you know, that we were able to give her living water. Yeah. And then at the same time, it wasn't like we just left them. Like, we had been giving them physical water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, everything about it, Pocot was something else. Since was, we left there, when you talk about the well... They placed an evangelist there who's been working there every Thursday since we left, and they've seen 55 new salvations from just evangelizing at the well because of the message of the woman at the well. But also, Pocot is gigantic. I know. It was like once I left and we re- uh, when I was starting to do research and find out, there's like over 800,000 Pocot people. <laughs> and the amount of people that we could touch was just like a fingertip. Yeah. 
because they're, they're so spread out and it's so difficult to get to them, yeah. but the gospel spreads miraculously. Know. You know, I remember feeling almost hopeless, like how, how are we gonna touch it? But just you saying that is making me realize we don't have to That's always right. do it because as we do it, the Lord miraculously spreads That's it. That's right. So. You go in, you plant a seed, and it just multiplies. And those mountains, they wrap all around Kenya, through Tanzania, the borders of Uganda. It's beautiful. All right, so tell me, what other tribe you want to tell me about? Okay, so let's talk about Takana. Okay. Tukana because tribe. I know that that place had a real special place it also did. in your heart. Yeah. But, um, okay, so getting to, this was our real tribal people. And what I meant by that is, like, this is the first time I actually saw, like, people in tribal Tribal gear, gear be- yeah. beads. Mm-hmm. But um, when we got there, we got there really late at night. Mm-hmm. We got stuck in the sand yeah. in the desert. And um, this huge tractor um, miraculously was there. It was, I think the Lord literally put the tractor there too. to save us that night because too. we would have been stuck. And I don't, we didn't have water no. or anything. <laughs> it would have been a disaster. Have done. But anyways, so they rescued us and we got there, but it was late. We were there late. We got there late. Mm-hmm. It was so dark. We couldn't see in front, like the, our hands in front of our mm-hmm. face. But yet we put up the tent mm-hmm. and um, we pretty much just went to sleep under the most beautiful sky I've ever mm-hmm. seen in my life. And I got to do it with you. But um, I will never forget it because the sky was lit up with yeah. stars mm-hmm. in a miraculous way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was really cool. So that's how we started it. So when we woke up in the morning and you're hearing all these tribal noises and you're hearing goats and camels and I'm yeah. like getting up and I'm looking out the window of this tent, it was something I've ne- never oh, seen before. think about that. Your first view. My first view was like men out there like, like whipping camels yeah. and... <laughs> And trying to get the goats and women like carrying babies in the front and their back and having no tops on because that's just how they dress. And them walking from the mountains and they were everywhere. And it was just, it was overwhelming at first because Mm -hmm. I had never encountered anything like it. So we get up and we kind of wash a little bit with a hand rag that we could find and we got out and walked under a tree and just started preaching the gospel. And it was something wow. I can never really describe. Pitchers try to speak to about it a yeah. little bit. But um, I watched you just do it as if you had done it a million times. And I knew it was the first time you had ever been there yeah. and done it before. Um, but I think that walking with somebody that knows what they're doing definitely helps, or at least is really good at pretending. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so we, I remember us walking out from underneath the tree to the tree and it was scorching hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was eight o'clock in the morning and yeah. just getting from our tent to the tree was exhausting. It was like walking in sand. And as you would walk, you would go down yeah. a couple steps. Right. And then you would keep going and we would get, we got to the tree and then, um, you literally just started preaching the gospel of who Jesus is and create, you started from creation And I just watched you and I watched the people's eyes just, they were so hungry for the truth that is in the word of God. And um, what we have by the word of God is like, it's, it's alive and it's living. Mm -hmm. And I guess encountering it with you like that made me realize like, we don't really have to know it all. We literally just have to open the word of God and share it because the power is not in what we have to say. But the power is already there. He's already done it, and it's in the Word. Yeah. And so as you preached the Word, it gave me so much confidence that I was going to be 
speaking about the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that it was just just share the word. And as we did, it was so cool to see, like, we never had to coach them on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We didn't have to, like, get them to do anything in particular. Um, They just did. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a miraculous thing. But, of course, the cool, another cool part about it was just seeing the people, like, literally instantly, as soon as you were done speaking, they just would jump up and they instantly wanted to be healed. They instantly wanted Mm. um, to be touched. And I remember looking over to you and they were taking your hand and they were like, touch, touch my, like, touch my hand. I mean, touch my head, touch my back, touch my, and then they would just start jumping in the air, (laughs) but they were healed and it was not, they couldn't even understand what you were saying. So again, it was just realizing that the power has nothing to do with us, that we literally just have to be obedient and walk in the power that lives in us and God does it. And I saw him do that so many times there. Um, one, one testimony was that there was this man and he had these huge tumors all over his yeah. body. Like literally you couldn't touch him in any spot without a tumor. Mm-hmm. And his mom had heard that we were going to be there. And so she brought him. And as we started to pray for him and lay hands on him, it was like nothing I've ever seen before because this man's skin was as black as black could be. And as we were touching him, it was like we could literally moving. see the tumors like moving and shifting and changing colors yes. and it was crazy. Wild. I've never, ever experienced anything like that. And from that moment on, faith rose up yeah. in the people. Mm. And it was like, it was just incredible. So I was just thinking even while you're talking, I've got, I feel the Holy Spirit all over me right now. I'm like there in my mind. But no one had to tell those people Mm-mm. that their bodies were going to be healed. But the power of the cross being ministered, they knew something was going to happen and they wanted it in their bodies. Because if you think about it, these aren't churched people. No. No one said, go to this place and your body's going to be healed. But just from the power of the message of the cross, they knew I need to be touched. And just reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. If I could just touch his garment, if I could just get there. I mean, they just knew when you... When you are with Jesus, you encounter Jesus, you just know something's going to happen in my body. And I'm gonna, this is hope. This is healing. And that just made me think, my eye. nobody told him it was a healing service or nobody said, hey, listen to this message and we're going to lay hands on you afterwards. It was just God. And you too was like, yeah, I was like, should I bring my iPad? Do I need like my notes? And you're like, yeah, I always bring my iPad when I go on these trips. <laughs> we never opened our iPad one time. We literally just opened the word of God. Yeah. And the Bible did all the work. I know. But you know, your human mind just wants to make sure you're prepared. But Yeah, we were prepared yeah. all right. We, I don't think we were prepared for anything that happened. But um, the other thing was about that particular area was I've never seen witchcraft Like, I know you have dealt with that Mm -hmm. so much, but I've never encountered this before. But witch doctors are so big and so prevalent in these areas, but there was zero fear. Like, I always wondered, like, would you feel fear? Would you experience fear when you're dealing with witch doctors? Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, there was zero fear because it was like the power that was in us was so much bigger that it was... It was just walking in so much freedom that we had so many people possessed just coming to find us to to be healed. I didn't tell you about something. Tell me. A witch doctor was there and cast a curse on us while we were there. Oh, really? Yeah. Listen to this. Do you think you should have told me that? Maybe. (laughs) I'm telling you now. But so I know. Listen. 
So it's funny you talked about a spirit of fear or fear. The reason we didn't feel any fear is because we were so full of the Holy Spirit that the spirit of fear couldn't attach itself to it us. It literally did. Right. Even mm-hmm. though they tried. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the curses from the witch doctor. So they found out that we were going to be there and that we were bringing a, another God. So witch doctors came and they sat in the back and they went and cast a curse on everybody there and nobody was affected and nobody moved. And they said it was for the first time that no one was affected, but the generator went out. Yep. Remember when the generator yes. went completely out? I don't even know who was speaking. One of us was speaking and the generator, I think zero. I was speaking you and I just was speaking. yelling or whatever. Yeah. Well, the pastor that was there, that he took another woman and they laid hands on the generator and spoke the name of Jesus and the generator came back on. And the witch doctor left. Later on, we found out from Miriam, it was a witch doctor that was trying to stop what was happening. And he seen he had no effect and he left. How crazy is that? That's amazing. I know. I can't believe I didn't tell you about that. Yeah, thanks. No, no. Uh, so, but as we were also praying for a lot of these kids, mm-hmm. we noticed that they had this like crust on yes. them. And at first we didn't know what it was. Right. But come to find out that these witch doctors go around and they cast spells on these precious mm. little innocent babies to make yeah. them sick fevers and but every time we laid hands on them every time we prayed for them we saw that break yes, instantly break. i mean we would see them go from heavy fevers to almost cold i know and the other thing about that is is you know we we talk about fire all the time how mm-hmm. the holy spirit brings fire and it talks about that but because these people are so used to fire and heat it was so cool to see the lord operate differently and so mm-hmm. many of them they would go cool Yes. Like instead, because they were already so hot that mm-hmm. as we would pray for them, instead of it being heat, the Holy Spirit would bring it's like true. air, like you would feel air conditioned on them. Almost. I remember a woman when I asked her, hey, what are you feeling right now? Because you could just tell I she was feeling that. touched by the Lord. I said, what are you feeling? Because I'm praying the fire of God over her. And she said, in translation, she said, I feel cold water running through my veins. And I was like, of course, Lord. You are going to manifest yourself in what they need Need. that would be comfort. Of course, you're not going to represent yourself as fire in the middle of the desert where they're dry. And they're hungry and they're hot. And that just goes to show how God doesn't need us to say the right words. No. Because here I am praying fire and he is coming in water and they don't care. They're just experiencing Jesus. Yeah. How awesome. What about the little girl that they brought to us? Yeah, so there was this little girl they brought to us, and uh, they said that a witch doctor had casted a spell on her, mm-hmm. and she had basically, she for the last year and a half, she was had no clothes on, mm-hmm. and she was, like, out by herself. No one could do anything with her, so they had wrapped her in these clothing and dragged her for us to cast the this demon out of her, and Angie, I've never seen you the way I saw you there with her, and at first... You started off like, man, you were going to war. You were casting out this demon, and I was watching you do it, so I was getting in it with you. And then I noticed that you were listening to the Holy Spirit, and something shifted, and you whispered something in her ear, and you started to weep. And I just saw such a shift in how the Lord was operating in that moment, um, and then she just started to cry. This this girl who had no eye contact, who was literally acting possessed by a demon went from that to this precious little sweet little girl that you could tell she had been abused she had been mistreated and the lord gave you her heart and at that instant i lost it too i was like i can't do this 
Uh. You're weeping. I'm weeping. And uh, and then you brought her food. And I turned around and you said, do you have nail clippers? I'm thinking to myself, I have no bags, Angie. But, but instantly when you said, I was like, you know, what? I think I do have nail clippers. So I went back and in my backpack, I had a, na- a pair of nail clippers and I brought them to you and you clipped her toenails. And I, um, I've always loved you. But there was like this new kind of love that made me see like not the Jesus. Yes, he's, he is all these things. He is whatever we need at that moment. And at one moment, you needed to go to war for her and fight for her. And you did. And at one moment, she needed a mom to tell her that she was loved. And at one moment, she needed a sister. And at one moment, she needed a pedicure. And you did it all. I love you. <laughs> and, and then um, we thought that she might just jump up and join us, mm-hmm. right? But she didn't. You know, she, um, you try to get her to receive Jesus, and uh, there's nothing more heartbreaking than watching someone, you, you told her, if you don't receive Jesus, they're going to come back, and when they come back, it's going to be 10 times worse than it started, and you were weeping, and I'm weeping, I'm like, Jesse, just, just receive Jesus, that's all we want, and she wouldn't, and man, I made me realize how much Jesus hurts for us. You know, like all these people that just don't know him and he died for them and he loves them and he wants them and his heart is so broke, just wants them to receive what he's done for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we went on to our meeting and she followed behind us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And she, uh, she wouldn't go with us, but she followed behind us and she stood in the very back. Mm-hmm. But the cool part about the story, you can tell yeah. later on, a week later, uh, one of the people went to her her house, and she received Jesus right there with joy. And we have a picture of her smiling, and, you know, he said she's a completely different person, like a fresh little girl. Her sister and her family are so happy to have her back in her right mind. What an amazing story, not to give up on someone, right? Never. And be willing to be whatever it is that God needs you to be in that moment, because that's what he does for us. Yeah. You know, yeah, sometimes he's this strong warrior that Mm. goes before us and fights our battles. And other times he's gentle father Mm. that we need. And he is all those things. Sometimes he's fire and sometimes he's He's cold cold water. water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, we could talk about Takana forever, but I did have a little confession. Okay. While we're on the subject. While we're recording? Yeah, let's go ahead. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, last night we were there. You had already gotten up to go to the bathroom with me. Because I didn't want to go out by myself. Mm-hmm. And you were so sweet to do that. And you had just gone back to bed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go number two this time. Which I never thought that I would actually be able to do, like, out in the middle of nowhere. So I'm like, oh, gosh, this is awful. And I could hear, like, you can hear bushes and things moving. I know. Oh, it was terrifying. So I got up and I was like, I'm not going to wake her, Lord. I am strong. And I can do this by myself. So I got up and I like walked along the tent that I could touch it all the way. And I went to like to the side and I just did it. I did what I had to do. And I and then I went back into the tent and Angie, you had turned around and you were laying right like where I went to the bathroom and where your head was. And I purposely when I went out. I tried to go to the bathroom on the other side so it would be by your feet. It was by my head. But why did you you move? Like, by the time I came back in, you had gotten up and switched positions. I pooped right next to your head. And I was like, do I wake her? But you didn't move. And oh I was like, goodness. okay, I'll just go to bed. And in the morning. Did you bury it? Yeah, I tried to. Okay. But you can't really bury it. It was just sand. So I kind of moved it. You never said anything. So That's all right. I'm proud of you. 
work? Yes. For doing the all by myself? Yes. All right. Yeah. That was danger. And you did it. And you I finally did. I won. had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, to wrap it up a little bit, um, unless you have any, any other testimonies you really want to tell. but I, I just really feel like more than anything else, it's just you have to be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's what I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. So what would you say your main lesson you think you learned or that the Lord taught you in it throughout this Kenya trip? Well, it's not about you. It's good. You know, you just have to go super empty. Um, you have to be willing to just say yes to whatever you're asked to do on the trip. And I hope I served you well, but it was just such a blessing to, to, I mean, obviously I love you like you're my sister, but, but also love you. Like I'm serving there, serving Mm -hmm. well. So when you go on these trips, go to serve, don't go to get your own agenda or do your own thing. Realize when you're going, that you're going for the mission Mm -hmm. and, and whoever is leading that trip, your job is to serve them. And, and God does everything else along the way. And, and on, another thing was, as my when my husband picked me up and we were heading home, um, I had the best revelation. I have been married for 22 years, and I'm madly in love with my husband and my kids. And many times I've asked myself, like, do I really love the Lord as much as I love my husband and my kids? Um, because I really do love them a lot, and I love the Lord so much. But when you, but when you're in these situations you you do you ask yourself do I actually love the Lord more and when he picked me up we're on our way home and he literally said to me well um, I guess we're going on a camping trip and I'm like why do you say that he's like well you literally went with Angie you slept in tents 22 years I've been married to you and you've never gone camping with me and you've and you were willing to go to the bathroom outside and I instantly had this aha moment where I was like, you know what? I would do it all over again for him. I would never do that for you. Yeah. And I was like, as much as I love my husband and I love my children, I have no interest in doing that for them. But I would do it for him any day of the week. Take me back. I'm mm. ready to do it. And it was really good for me because the Lord reminded me, like, you do love me, Deborah Ann. Mm. And I think it's cool that he does that for us. Like, Ooh. as you're going on these trips, like, he reveals, like, not just like the hard things, but he also reminds you of the good in you. Like he reminded me, like you do love me, Deborah Ann, and I love you too. So that was really cool. I think one of my favorite things about this trip, trip in particular, um, well, you were easy, and I guess it's because I've ministered with you all over the place. So it was easy for me to be myself. I didn't have to be like a like a teacher, you know. It was just no, kind of like taught me a lot. Girl. Okay, okay. But what Every I day. loved with you is that you did you like when you said always say yes. That was you the entire trip. You never said no. You never said maybe. You never said, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You were just like, you'd never experienced any of it before, but you were like, all right, show me what I need to do, what I need to do, and I'll do it. And you were all in. And you never cared, like, am I am I doing it right? You were just like, I am doing everything that God has in me. I'm pouring it all out here. And you did it all with love. Like, you were your entire agenda was whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. And it'll be wrapped in love. And you, you were in every moment. You never were like gone somewhere or let me take a nap. And I know you didn't sleep much on this trip, but but you were eat eat or eat. And you were never so tired that you didn't invest in people and you didn't like put the best of you out there. And I love that. And I feel like that that's a lesson for all of us. Like even in our our lives at home, we need to be so present in every moment in ministry, on the streets, especially on these trips. Like, 
enjoy every moment. I'm putting my entire self out there for the Lord and not saying no. And like whatever comes, it's all the Lord. Okay. So I have to say this about this trip. That's something huge. I learned it's not about what, what we do when we get there because you were ministering every moment and realizing that, that, that that's the way it's supposed to be with us all the time. I mean, I saw you, I saw you praying for people on buses in taxi cabs. Mm -hmm. You know, we baptized somebody, you know, that our taxi driver got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and yeah. got saved. And it was like you were on with the mission, not about just getting to the unreached, but you realized that along the way, it was just as important as when we got there. And we have to remember that we can't live in this idea that we're waiting for like the big call to happen in our lives or Good. what God really wants us to do. But it's really about every moment of our lives are just as important. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows how many other lives were touched because of the taxi driver. You know, we talk about these yeah. other people, but how about him? How about his right. wife? How about all the people? Yeah. He was a teacher. Yeah. So think about all the all the students now that now know the Lord because the of fire. Because we didn't just sit in the back seat because we were tired, but because you took the time mm-hmm. to minister to him even on the way. So That's awesome. That was amazing. All right, Debran. Well, thank you so much for sharing your heart. And I know, uh, I know we'll be hitting India or something soon together. So, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. Listen, pray, say yes to God and, uh, enjoy every moment in life and ministry. Talk to you later.